The following podcast is brought to you by the Franchise Network. Hello geeks, otakus, fanboys, and fangirls. Welcome to another edition of The Talking Pop. It's the podcast where we talk about pop culture news, movies, anime, video games, and more. And something. And every episode, something new comes to my table. As always, I'm reporting from the Pop Culture Geek Cave. I am Alfonso Bergen. For those of you who are listening for the first time, I am known simply as The Franchise. Normally, I'm joined by my brother, Andy Biko, but currently, he's not, he's not in town this time. So, But I know you guys were hoping for us to do our big talk about video games and violence ever since it got surfaced up right now in the news lately. But right now, unfortunately, he's, like I said, he's not in town right now, but he is coming back next week. So hopefully, we'll once get that, we'll get that discussion recorded, that podcast. I did talk to him. He said he'll find some time to sit down and talk, you know, his viewpoint, whole video game violence but before we do that i want to get you guys filled in how video games affect my life um for those of you who don't know uh, my first video game system was the nintendo entertainment system commonly known in japan as the favicom you know i was four years old i was in preschool and of course um you know my parents wanted to give me something to keep busy you know to keep my attention besides watching cartoons in the afternoon, you know, getting all my homework done. Well, it was preschool. I hardly got any homework done. I hardly got homework in general, but they wanted to keep my mind, you know, busy and occupied besides watching television. Of course, where I learned the English language, <laughs> because honestly, the first few years of my life, I was speaking Spanish. But other than that, you know, I learned the English language. So they decided to get me a video game system. Um, and first, my first system was an NES action set which came with the zapper and the two controllers um and also came with the Mario, Mario, Super Mario Bros. Duck Hunt combination cartridge so that was my first game and of course playing at four years old you know it was like tough you know but it was a fun because of the music the set the music was great you know 8-bit music at that time the graphics of course back then it was like the late 80s early 90s and pretty much you know there was that was the graphics at the time you know was something we'd never seen before i mean compared to back in the in the 70s you know with atari and of course ColecoVision and television and all those companies but of course it was nintendo branching to the market you know try to bring video games back to the mainstream again. Of course, it's this company from Japan who's been in lo- been around for so many years. If you guys don't know, Nintendo's been around since like 1889. They started making, you know, Hanafuda playing cards. So they were a playing card company. And eventually, it grew into a conglomerate, which they owned like appliances. They made appliances, toys, owned a couple hotels, uh, especially risque ones known as Love Hotels in Japan, where pretty much, um, I don't want to get into that detail. And of course, they decided to go into the game market in 1981 by hiring Shigeru Miyamoto to help lead up the gaming division. So pretty much, they came out with Radar Scope for arcades for a table t- as a tabletop game in Bard. Bars and of course Donkey Kong came to fruition thanks to Shigeru Miyamoto, and of course they decided to release their first system called the Famicom in Japan. Also, that was, that's short for the Family Computer. And of course, bring it to the U.S. because due to the American market at that time, they decided to refurbish it, change it up 
with Nintendo America decided to change it up, to making it look like the like a great box you should see today, known as the Nintendo Entertainment System. Not calling it a game system, but calling it an entertainment system, and instead calling the cartridges just video game cartridges. They call them game packs. So that's how they go, and pretty much that's how I started. I started with the Nintendo Entertainment System, you know, playing Super Mario Brothers and Doug Hunter. It was cool playing with the Zapper because, of course, we had that. We all like if you all growing up like me, you're around my age. You all had to grow up using your mom and dad's, you know, CRT TV. Remember having to turn it in like tied to the coaxial input on in the back, change it to channel three or channel four, and pretty much you know making sure it goes on. Maybe lucky for you guys, lucky I had a color TV, able to play it in color. But it was fun, you know, and then of course, you know, the infamous, you know, you had to keep resetting to make sure the game's reading. Of course, cards just do get dirty at that time, but I know most of you guys probably remember having to blow the cartridge and, you know, I had to do that. But I kind of found out years later you were not supposed to do that. You were supposed to take like a Q-tip, put a little solution on it, and gently clean the, the cartridge inside. And lightly clean it, not heavy duty clean it so I can read it. Because I heard that because of the pins that it reads, like the pin connectors in the console, if you keep blowing it, you're blowing more dust into the cartridge, which kind of screws up the connection between the circuit pack and the game. It's in the game pack and the console itself. So, other than that, you know, I kept getting games, you know. But it's growing up, you know, I didn't have, you know, games at that time, you know, NES games were like 60 bucks. As equivalent to today standards, but nowadays you can go to any like secondhand store or like a disc replay or some other stores that use game stores and buy them for like 10, 12 bucks now, 13 bucks. But back then they were like 60 bucks at that time. But it was kind of cool because you know I never knew about Funko Land, and of course my mom used to get my games at Toys R Us. And of course, if you guys know Toys R Us or anything news, they're shutting a lot, they're liquidating a lot of their U.S. stores, U.S. based stores. It's kind of sad because I remember going to Toys R Us as my it was my number one stop for games when I was a kid before I discovered Funko Land and GameStop and you know today Amazon or now games today you could buy directly from the console store now <laughs> but for me as a kid growing up you know it was pretty much you know going to the store but like I said I had earned my games you know I didn't my parents you know my dad was hardworking, mom was staying home so I wasn't a spoiled brat you know my parents raised me right so I wasn't spoiled at all and you know, I had to earn my game, so, you know, I had to do, do chores in the house, clean up after myself, and then, you know, get good grades, and when I got good grades, I'll get a game. So they got me a lot of games over the years, they got me Mario Bros. 3, I never got Mario Bros. 2, I think I remember also, too, where I used to live in my own neighborhood, um, my mom used to take me to a video store, and sometimes I would rent, you know, NES games, so I rented Super Mario Bros. 2, Mario Madness, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, um, Mega Man, I used to rent those. It was fun going to those like mom pop, you know, video sto- video stores, and you know, like I said, we didn't have much money, you know, until you know my dad brought the check in, you know, if I didn't earn it. But at the same time, mom, you know, to keep me, you know, entertained, she would take me to the video store, and if I did good for the week, say, like, hey, I'm gonna take you to the video store, I'm gonna rent, you. you can go rent a game, then let you keep it for like three days before you have to go and take it back. So. It was cool. So, like I said, I was able to rent a lot of games and play those. I got a few, I think about 20 games for my NES. So, compared to, like, a lot of people today, I think they were, like, they said about 250 NES games came out at that time. I'm not sure how the number is. I'm assuming it's 250. But I only had, like, 20 of them because, of course, you know, the times change. You know, I had to jump from an 8-bit to the 60-bit era. But weird thing is, I didn't jump to the Super Nintendo right away. Uh, For my birthday... 
um, a few years afterwards, I ended up getting the Sega Genesis. So the Sega, I actually jumped from Nintendo to Sega and ended up getting the Genesis. You know, I ended up getting the one with Sonic 1. And pretty much that turned into an obsession, not with the Sega Genesis itself, with the character of Sonic. I mean, you got Mario. I mean, he's an Italian plumber. Kind of chubby. Does run, but then you got this cool, hip character, this hedgehog, who I never knew what a hedgehog was. And so I researched it later years on what it looked like. But it was this character that jumped at me. He could run so fast. Cool haircut. You know, spiky haircut. Blue, like the Sega logo. And the red shoes. Which pretty much was inspired by Michael Jackson. Jacket from Thriller. And, um, and it caught me to the point that then, you know, then Sega started getting into the market, you know, with cartoons. And that's how I got obsessed with Sonic because of the cartoon. And, of course, the comic books. I got into that also, and of course now today I still am a fan of Sonic. You know, I still go I still go crazy with Sonic Mania. When Sonic Mania came out, it t- took me back to my childhood. You know, playing the Sega Genesis, so I got into Sega Genesis. So I got a lot. I mostly the Sonic games. I had I got a few games for that console. I had the Battletoads, Double Dragons, and um, I'm trying to remember what other games I got. I got Mickey's like Ultimate like Challenge, Sonic One, Two, Three, Sonic Spinball, Sonic and Knuckles. I'm getting that one. There was a few games. And, of course, my little brother at that time when I got the Sega Genesis, he was a little kid, so my mom got me this Barney game. So sometimes I had to share my console with my little brother. So my mom got me this Barney game because he was into Barney at that time. And um, they had that. So that, And I had, like, the McDonald's game with Ronald McDonald's, like, Treasure Island Adventure, I think that was called. And then, of course, um, I actually got a Super Nintendo afterwards. I got that for Christmas. So I ended up having both the Sega Genesis and the Super Nintendo. So I had Super Mario World, Super Mario Kart. A bunch of games like Star Fox and all that. Um, it was fun. That was a fun console, you know. So that yeah, the console wars were at my house. So it was kind of divided because I had the Sega Genesis. So all that one times when my brother was playing the Sega Genesis, you know, playing like his, playing some games that he liked. He was like a little kid that time. I went to the basement and looking for the basement. We used that as a gaming room. I played the Super Nintendo. Usually I had the Super Nintendo in the basement and Genesis in my room because that time and my brother were sharing rooms. When he was little, so he ended up playing Genesis. So I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna go downstairs to the base. So I'm gonna play Gen- I'm gonna play Super Nintendo. So that's so I was divided between Mario and Sonic at that time. Um, and of course, uh, portable Mario gaming. Um, for those road trips, you know, I ended up getting the Sega the Game Boy. So I had the NES game as the first Game Boy, the original. Sorry, and of course I actually got the Game Gear. And the problem is the Game Gear. I had that many games. I had some games for the Genesis for the Game Boy. But not really, I mean, I had Tetris, I had um, Dr. Mario, I had a few games for the Game Boy and a few games for the Game Gear, but none of those never got to my attention, you know. Now with the Nintendo Switch, it's like it brought to my new love for portable gaming, but I got more, like, I just wanted to stay home, you know, I was a little, I was a little kid, you know. I, sometimes I went out with friends, but more of the time I wanted to get home and play video games. And pretty much that's what it was. Um, so yeah, I had those portable systems, and of course, um, I never got the 32x. I never got the Sega CD. You know, I was just, and then of course with um, knowing gaming users, you know, the only thing I had was uh, one thing I did know is Sonic Three ended up winning a contest. It was like when Sonic they were having McDonald's and Sonic were doing Sega like were doing a promotion, a cross promotion. So they were having Sonic having little toys. So I ended up going there, and um, the funny story is. There was this contest, like my mom helped fill it out for me. 
because at that time they, it had to be a certain age. So lucky for me, my mom filled it out for me. I think my mom had a sign to think it was one of those Happy Meal bags. So I'll sign up. You can be one of the 500 winners or win a copy of Sonic the Hedgehog 3. So I entered the contest and I didn't know about it. Um, and I forgot about it like weeks and weeks and weeks until, you know, I had got good grades. So mom's like, oh, let's go to the local department store. At that time it was Venture. I don't know if you guys remember Venture. If you live in the Chicagoland area, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Venture. It was like a department store, so but it didn't have groceries. It was more like the Target without the groceries at that time. So Target didn't even hit the Chicago market yet because Target was mostly based out of Minnesota. So we had stores like Venture, Ames, and all that. So we had Venture. So I go there. My mom's like, "What game you want?" I'm like, "You know, I'm gonna go to Sonic Three. So I got Sonic Three. I was happy, excited, can't wait to come home and play it. All of a sudden, there was this package on my doorstep, and it was weird. I'm like, I never heard got packages that time, and like, yeah, I opened it up, and I'm getting a card. It's like, congratulations for winning the Sonic 3 sweepstakes. You were one of the, 100, one of the 500 lucky winners when I copied Sonic 3. Thank you for participating, and enjoy your game. So, yeah, I got stuck with two copies of Sonic 3. Lucky for me, my mom still had the receipt, and she took the other one back to the store. I kept the one I wanted in the contest, so that was kind of cool. That's kind of cool because, like I said, I never won a contest before. It was the first time I entered one, so that was cool. So, yeah, Sonic 3, I enjoyed it so much, especially because it was one of those first games that had the save feature. So you could have multiple save files, and you could start with Sonic or Sonic and Tails or Tails alone. That was the first time I let you play as Tails. And, of course, when I found out, I didn't find out until later, years and years later, um, that it wasn't a complete game because Sonic and Knuckles was released separately, but technically Sonic 3 and Sonic and Knuckles were basically one whole game, and pretty much Sonic and Knuckles was still like an add So I still got that. It was cool because you had the lock-out technology, and you were able to connect, like, Sonic 3 to Sonic and Knuckles and pretty much play the whole game from the beginning to the end, which I was able to get to that part. Lucky I had cousins that came over to help me out beat the game, so that was fun, so we got to see the ending. Um, and, of course, you could plug in Sonic 2 to it and play as Knuckles in Sonic 2. Um, the only thing I think it was in that one, you can't be Super Knuckles or Hyper Knuckles, whatever they call them, because always Sonic can turn Super Sonic. I remember the whole debug code, how... Basically, you had to go through gaming magazines that or books that had cheat codes at that time. Because, like I said, we didn't have the internet back then. This was like the early 90s, so the internet was still in its dormant stage. It wasn't like the big juggernaut that it is today. We can get information and game cheats and everything online. You had to go through magazines or call these hotline numbers, have experts help you out. So we didn't have, like, FAQs or walkthroughs. You literally had to call a hotline, pay, like, a fee or something a minute, or... Get the latest edition of Game Pro or Game Informer or Electronic like Gaming Monthly and try to get your and try to see the and you to get tips from the from the writers and so they'll give you tips on how to beat this character or they'll have like cheat codes. So we got that. So of course, um, I didn't get the PlayStation. I didn't know why I didn't get the PlayStation when it first came out. I was still stuck in the age, you know, of Nintendo and Sega at that time. I never jumped into PlayStation. The only time I was playing with the PlayStation was going over to my cousin's house because they had the PlayStation. And I was like, what's that? They're like, oh, it's a CD-based game called the PlayStation. Try it out. And I liked it. But, of course, you know, it was expensive at that time. It was, what, 95, 96? And, you know, my parents were like, um, I never, it never got my attention. Look, I, the only time, because I felt that, you know, if I got that, you know, I'll never get to visit my cousins. And sometimes I like gaming with my cousins, you know, visiting them and spending time with them and gaming. So most of the time, I, I never got into that one. So uh, never got to Sega Saturn. Missed out on that. 
Um, eventually, they get a PS2 later on. We did get a PlayStation later on and a PlayStation 2 later on, too. So we ended up getting those two consoles. We ended up getting them after it's, like, midway through its life. Then we got the PlayStation. We just got it for nostalgia feeling. Then we got the PlayStation 2, same thing. Then I'm getting the Dreamcast. And the Dreamcast, you know, was in 99. My parents were like, what do you want for Christmas? And it ended up becoming an early Christmas gift, you know. It was in September 99. I just, it was like a high school gift, like a graduation gift, basically. So problem was we had to wait till September to get it. And luckily, we pre-ordered it at Toys R Us. So Toys R Us had pre-orders, so we ended up getting it there. So I'm getting the Dreamcast at Toys R Us, which I got the copy of Sonic Adventure. And believe me, being a Sonic fan and playing that game, that was great. That was like the greatest Sonic 3D game, that one, Sonic Adventure 2. But of course, now, like, Sonic Generation wasn't that bad, you know. And then I haven't got Sonic Forces, so I ended up going to Sonic Mania. So, so I like the Sega Dreamcast. It was kind of cool. I had a few games for it, um, most of the Sonic games. I had, like, WWE games. I had WWE Attitude and WWE Royal Rumble, um, Hydro Thunder. I only had a few, and, like, Power Stone, I think it was called. So I had that for Dreamcast. I never got into the online thing, so because you had to buy, like, yeah, I had internet. My, we didn't get internet that long. I think we had internet when I was like a freshman in high school. I was around 2000. But of course, internet at the time, if you guys remember, <laughs> in millennials, internet was dial-up. It's not DSL or cable as it is today. It was dial-up. So remember the frustration you had to do if you want to play a gaming online or go on the internet. You had to wait f- you had to plug it into your phone line, and you had to make sure no one picked up the phone because you had to wait for that noise. And wait for that, of course, to get on American Online. And, of course, they always had the dread to make sure no one picked up the phone. And, of course, you lose your connection temporarily until they hang up and you're back on again. It's kind of hard to the point my parents had to get a second phone line just for the Internet so they wanted to interfere. But... The Dreamcast service was alright. I mean, the internet was okay for it, but it was really basic at that time. So now I got into the Sega Sega internet service, so I never used the modem, so I was just gaming. And what kind of sucked is not many people had a Dreamcast, so it kind of made it hard to talk to them. My cousins had it, now my friends had it, they had the PlayStation 2, because at that time, it kind of beautiful because I had the DVD, and, you know, I barely got into the DVD. I was used to the VHS age. And, of course, with the, eventually, um... And PS2 ended up becoming our first DVD player because remember DVD players at that time were really expensive. There weren't, they're not, you know, they're only like eighty bucks now. But now we're we're at the age of Blu-ray, so DVDs are coming out. So if you Blu-ray players look for Blu-rays, you know they still play DVDs. So DVDs are still being made still because not many people have Blu-ray. We know Blu-ray players are actually affordable now. Blu-rays usually run for like thirty bucks compared to they were running back then. Um, but yeah, and of course. Uh, the last system my parents ever got me, so this is like going to 2001, so it was November, it was Christmas, the, and my grades were good, and my mom was like, what do you want for Christmas? So I asked her, I want the Xbox. So I ended up getting the, it was between the GameCube and the Xbox, and I'm like, do you want to go to Nintendo? And then the one thing that got my attention, and got a lot of my cousin's attention too, was the Xbox, you know? It's like, and I'm like, the Xbox, I'm like... Really, Microsoft is coming up with a game system because Microsoft was known for only like software for computers. You know, this is the first time they're making hardware, and you know the commercials they're running for it and the ads for it was a really heavily campaign that Microsoft put a lot of money into, and it got my attention. And then, then like I said, I went during high school at that time. A lot of my friends were like, oh, "Are you getting the Xbox?" definitely get the xbox and i'm like oh ps2 is better but they're like oh the xbox you can play dvd in it but i didn't know that with the first xbox you had to buy an attachment 
to play DVDs, but it was kind of cool. That, like, the graphics were not bad. I mean, they were a little bit crisper, better than the PS2 until later on the PS2 added, like, a modem because they said this X... The, the Xbox had, like, a modem line, so you connect it up to the Internet and stuff. The PlayStation didn't have that at that time. The PlayStation 2, you had to buy, like, a separate attachment when they released Final Fantasy XI for the PlayStation 2 to have so you could play on there. But it didn't have Internet capabilities. So the Xbox became the first at that time. So, yeah, it was November 2001. And once again, got it at Toys R Us. So I didn't get it at Funko Land or GameStop. I got it at Toys R Us. And it was like the last console that my parents got me because, of course, um, through to 2003, yeah, I'm still playing the Xbox, you know. And then eventually I got my first job. I started working, working for the supermarket chain where I ended up getting stuck for like <sighs> almost 13 years. Um, and of course, um, I just save much money as I can, you know, it was my first job. And then I was going to school. I was going to junior college at that time because of course my folks are like, you graduated high school. It's time for you to look for a job so you can pay for school. And that's what I did. I ended up going to junior college for a couple few years and, um, got my associates and then, um, and then the first game console I bought with my own money was the Xbox 360. So, yeah, I didn't wait a year later for the PS3, and I'm going with the Xbox 360, so I ended up staying with the Xbox family. So, I didn't go with the Nintendo Wii, my brother ended up getting the Nintendo Wii, we never got the PS3, my cousins had PS3, but most of my cousins that had got the 360 because of the internet, and of course, uh, we didn't upgrade the DS, we, we upgraded the DSL at that time, and we ended up getting, uh, until the DSL was available to that area, we ended up getting, you know... Xbox Live, and I'm getting Xbox Live, but of course I got the, of course if you guys remember when you bought, we got the first Xbox 360, you guys look like me who got the first generation ones, you know about the first ones were messed up, so I ended up getting the red light, the red ring of death, oh my god, it was like two consoles, three consoles, I had to go through, I had to go through the hassle of the service, they, I had to pay for one repair once, they had to return to me, they replaced my console twice, once for the red ring, the second time it was, the fan was messed up, so I ended up getting that. And the third time, and no, the disc tray got stuck. So this tray kept getting stuck to the point that I couldn't do nothing with it. And then the third time they finally gave it, but I think what happened with that one, I ended up like giving it away because I ended up getting the Xbox Elite, and then eventually I got the Xbox uh, Slim, Xbox 360s. And pretty much gave my brother the Xbox Elite, and the Xbox Elite were like the more upgraded, better versions, and I had the Xbox 360 Slim. So I gave my brother that one, so he ended up having that one. I think he gave up the original 360 away. And the 360 was awesome, you know, we got Halo, you got Madden, so I ended up getting sports games, Sonic eventually made there, and on 360, of course, the infamous Sonic 06, which honestly to me is the worst Sonic game of all time. Because I was excited. I actually pre-ordered it because I was excited because it was Sonic's first game in the next generation console at that time. And, you know, I was excited. And it sucked, <laughs> honestly. The game was so glitched. And it, it got me frustrated because why is there so many loading screens? There should have been that many loading screens. This console was fast. But, honestly... It sucked. And I, I'm a Sonic fan. And, you know, I clicked the comic books to the point that the comic book ended last year. But look for me, I subscribed to the new one that's coming out next month. Can't wait from NEW. 
But it hurt me really hard. Because, you know, a big fan of Sonic, and all of a sudden, you know, the game was horrible. I couldn't play it. It was it was that terrible. So I ended up jumping into other games like RPG. I got into more RPG games too now, like Dragon Age, Mass Effect. You know, I got into the heavy RPGs. I was not into RPGs at that time, so I never got the Final Fantasies or Legend of Zeldas. Because I wasn't into that. I was more like, you know, platforming and pretty much sports. So I got into FIFA, Major League Baseball, some NBA, Madden. The only shooters I did at that time were just Halo. My friends got me into Call of Duty, so I got into that a little bit. And, of course, eventually, um, they made some other Sonic games, which were a little bit better. I mean, Sonic Unleashed was okay, but I love Sonic Generations because they had, like, that old-school feel Sonic. Of course, uh, the combination of him and the new generation Sonic. Then you had, um, like I said, more Halo RPGs, like Dragon Age. It was great, cool. Then I started seeing, then they released a very few JRPGs for the 360. I was surprised. And of course, Final Fantasy made its way through 360 after being on Sony system for so long with Final Fantasy 13. So that got me to my love Final Fantasy. Of course, um, lucky I had a PS2. Um, we had that, so I was able to get into Kingdom Hearts. So yeah, I was playing between Kingdom Hearts. So I was playing between PS2 and Xbox 360 at that time. You know, and playing that. And of course, um, the 360 was my coping thing because, you know, I had an knee surgery at that time and like around 2002. Well, let me take back in 2009. I had a, 2009, 2010, I was having a knee injury. Playing pickup game with my friends and, um, um, my knee got dislocated, my right knee got dislocated. Um, like my friends helped me pop it in. What it sucks is, was my drive, my responsibility. I ended up going to work that same day. But my knee was swollen to the point that I came and walk. And of course, they said I torn an ACL. It was torn, but it wasn't torn off. And the doctor I had at that time was real horrible. He, the only thing he recommended me, he gave me this flimsy knee brace. Which honestly, it was, it was like plastic. Because the insurance I had at that time was still in the early stages. And they had me do therapy for a few months. And the only thing was I had to keep waiting on eBay at the same time I went to work. It stank. It was horrible. And it got to the point, And I had to wear it for years later until, you know, a few years, three years later, it, like, even when I was walking in the store or I stepped on something wrong and eventually it did pop. So my ACL had to be reconstructed. And, of course, I found out I tore a meniscus too. So those had to get that kind of repaired. And I was like, you know, I guess you're going to be in the couch for a few months until, you know, like, lucky I had my gaming console with me. Like, if I had, because I get into the house, I live with my parents now, we have a gaming room downstairs. And, like, downstairs we have a little den area. At that time, that was my gaming room. <laughs> so, and I, had, I couldn't use the stairs at that time. So, basically, I was in there sitting, had my leg elevated for a little bit, and just pretty much playing the DCC, going to Dragon Age, just to keep my time, like, time occupied. And like I said, gaming really helped me a lot to get through that tough time, go through physical therapy. Well, now today's, you know, now today my knee kind of hurts a little bit, but it's doing, it's better than it was, but now it hurts when it's cold outside. And I do have a football, I, mean, I do have a knee brace like the ones that Stone Cold Steve Austin wears. But I normally, I only wear that when I have to carry something heavy. Lucky for me, the job I do now doesn't require me to do any heavy lifting to say. I'm mostly in the time standing on, standing at a desk, you know, on the computer most of the time, so look for me, I could do that. Um, like I said, um, gaming wise, it's one of those things like it helped me out, you know, coping with you know rehabilitation and all that. And like I said, gaming was my is my escape from reality because honestly, I'm an indoor person. I, I hardly go outside unless I have to go to the store get essentials. But normally, I'm at home streaming 
Netflix, Hulu, whatever I'm watching, like anime, and just playing video games when I had a chance. Um, I do go out sometimes using my brother and some friends that I got to know of through him. So, like, I got people, you know, I know that I get to hang out with through him. So, it kind of helped me out a lot. But, lucky for them, they like games and, and, mag- and comics and stuff. So, kind of, you know, it can reach me out there. So, flash forward now. That second console I ended up buying myself. So, I ended up buying a GameCube just because they were cheap. So, I ended up getting down a few games. The Star Fox and all that, too, because of Legend of Zelda. But my, bro- my brother had the Wii. We never got into the Wii. He got into it, so he played that for a while. And then... Uh, when it came time to the next generation consoles, I was torn. Because I was, for those years, I was like, Xbox, Xbox 360, people were like, are you going to get the Xbox One? My cousins were like, are you going to go with the Xbox One, are you going to go with the PS4? And I was like, well, I never got into the 3. I kind of liked it because my cousin had PS3 and he played God of War and that was only on the PlayStation. And what I did was, luck for me, being an adult now... I only had this console for, I only had this system, now it's gonna be three years this month, this coming year. I had the PS4. Um, I did a lot of research. I did something I couldn't do back then. I actually did research, compared the two consoles. I mean, both consoles were great, um, when it came to, you know, memory and speed. Um, just the processors were different on PS4 compared to the Xbox. The thing that kind of drew me to the PS4 was the gaming library. And saying the place it only said that all their games are all regions. So basically that means I'm not sure about the Xbox One, I don't know so their games are all regions, but that means you can go anywhere in the world, buy a PS4 game, and it'll work on your console. Basically you can go anywhere. So I think Sony decided, you know what? People are gonna go to other countries and they can get the games at a cheaper price. You can play in our console. They, they took away the whole region lock type of thing. And plus, there was more games from Japan coming to PS4 because Sony has a big market share in Japan, of course. So, yeah, I got to see more series that I never got to see on the Xbox. So, pretty much, that's what drew me to the PS4 was more internationally centered games. As opposed to Xbox. I mean, they're trying, but they're more like... Oh, uh, yeah, we're going to keep it in Canada, here in the U.S., North America, pretty much. So, I mean, you got a few... Games internationally, like Street Fighter and you know Dragon Ball Z Fighters, but Sony having those deals with like Namco, Bandai Namco, and the Square Enix and all that. Um, of course, I ended up getting Final Fantasy 15. Of course, Kingdom Hearts 3. Still waiting on Kingdom Hearts 3, guys. We're still waiting for it. But yeah, that what got me into PS4. So, if you, like I said, and it got more JRPGs. Was constantly drawing me that too. And like God Eater, and then Overwatch, Final Fantasy Fifteen, the short, the Sao series. Lucky they got the, they got that. I mean, there was a lot of games, and of course you got the Telltale games, which like The Walking Dead, Batman, the Telltale series, Game of Thrones, Telltale series, The Guardians of the Galaxy, and so many. And believe me, I got so many PS4 games. I now I've been buying them digitally, but I guess still got physical copies of some games that I haven't even played yet. I still wrap in plastic. I haven't touched. For something because I get them cheap and you know sometimes I find them in a GameStop and it's like thirty bucks, forty bucks. I'm like, hey, I'll get it. Order used, and some I haven't opened. I got Watch Dogs. I got the first Watch Dogs. I didn't even play that. I got Sleeping Dogs, the remaster edition. I got some Telltale. I got the Wolf Among Us Telltale series game. I got some games I haven't even played yet because. They're always coming out with new games. So you got Monster Hunter World just came out, Horizon Zero Dawn. Um. They did Secret of Mana Remastered, Overwatch. I got into Overwatch. The point that people I work with, some play Overwatch. And they're like, oh, you play Overwatch too? I haven't gone back to that because I've been watching the league 
I don't know if you guys have been watching the Overwatch League on Twitch. It's awesome. You know, I kind of like the New York Excelsior. They really got good players, and I kind of like Excelsior, which reminds me of Stan Lee, you know, Marvel Comics. It's fun you catch it on Twitch. So I got into Overwatch, and the course is kind of cool because, you know, with Overwatch, you know, you buy the game, and they make their makeup bonus. They don't offer, they give you all the DLC, and you get it for free. You get it through updates. And the only thing to make money on is just microlug transactions for loot boxes, but you can always earn it yourself. And you can actually play in league matches, you know, the pro, and, you know, who knows? Maybe you do good so good, maybe they'll get, they'll invite you to participate in the tournament. You never know. But of course, with the Overwatch League this year, it's been the first professional league. It's sponsored by Blizzard. It's sponsored by Blizzard. So it's actually really cool. You know, like I said, gaming has really, you know, transcended, you know, from, you know, Back in the days of Nintendo, and like now, like I said, now I'm playing PS4, then I got the Nintendo Switch. So I got back to Nintendo, guys. I started with Nintendo, I am currently have both Sony and Nintendo. So I got back to the Switch, because my parents last year were like, it's Christmas. But the problem is now, I'm not like a little kid anymore, I'm 32 years old, and like it gets to the point that really, I'm not a big presence type person, because it's like... It, it's nice to gesture of all. I see the social convention of, yeah, it's a Christmas, so you need to give a gift. I, I respect that, but honestly, there's nothing that I really want, you know? And, like, my parents are like, what do you want for Christmas? I'm like, guys, I just want to be lucky that I get to spend with you guys. Like, I have a job that gives me the opportunity to spend Christmas with you guys. Back when I was working retail, it was horrible. I couldn't hardly spend Christmas with my family. My parents and my brother because either I was working or, you know, Black Friday. But nowadays now, it's like now I work in a warehouse and I get those holidays off, which is weird. But I love it. Um, you know, my mom wanted to go to New York and I was like, you know, you still got to get a present. I said, guys, why don't we do this? Here's the thing I want. But I was going to say money to get it. And my parents are like, you know what? We'll pay half of it. You'll pay the other half. I'm like, Perfect. Because it'll make me feel better for the fact that I got to pay, save money, and pay for another console myself. And it made them feel better because they were able to give me gifts. So they ended up getting me the Nintendo Switch. And I'm getting um, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Love it. And nowadays now, I got the Pro Controller, Mario Brothers, like, custom controller. And lucky enough, I went to New York City with my bro, with Andy Biko. And we ended up walking the city, and I realized, I didn't know, until I realized, remember... One of the people, I, one of the coworkers I worked with, um, he told me, "Oh, you're going to New York? Should go to the Nintendo store." I'm like, "There's a Nintendo store in New York." Like, yeah, there's a Nintendo store in New York. Go check it out. You can get like, you know, console like Nintendo exclusive products, and then they sell games. And of course, I had to switch, so I was like, "You know what? Let me go." And we ended up going. We ended up walking through New York City, and um, it was fun, you know, seeing the sights. And then eventually, we got to the store. Problem is, we went during the holiday season. New York was freaking packed. It was hard to walk, you know. You couldn't stop anywhere to take pictures. It's like you had to keep moving. And luckily for us, we found the Nintendo store. Nintendo New York, it was packed. It was packed because not only the store was actually cool. It's two floors, and they had like products with Nintendo license, professionally designed products. They had shirts, hats, stuff for babies, apparently. Um, they had games. They had like a little museum too because they had like, you know, we saw the displays, the schematics for the NES. Um, Schematics for the Super Nintendo, a lot of Super Nintendo displays. Um, they had the Game Boy that was featured, that, that survived the um, Gulf War. That still worked. Um, 
Sorry, drink some water here. And they had um, they had a big statue of Mario, so that was kind of cool. I took a, I took a selfie with my bro in front of that thing. That was freaking awesome. And I'm like, okay. I, and I saw I heard about this game called Xenoblade Chronicles Two. And luckily for me, this nice salesperson, she's like, it's like being Christmas. They're doing a thing where you didn't have to pay taxes or something. They had a kind of thing if you there was no taxes on the uh, shirt. So I got my brother an Mario Bros. shirt. Got myself a Hyrule Kingdom shirt. Because I mean, it was a Nintendo sleep so I ended up getting also I ended up getting a Mario um, skull cap with a pom pom. So it was kind of cool. It's a Nintendo New York in the back. It's got the Mario logo in the front. Because they actually had the, the white baseball cap. I'm like, you know what? Let me get the snow hat. That's kind of something different. That was cool. So she actually upsailed me, and I got the Xenoblade Chronicles 2 Special Edition. So that was actually kind of cool. So I'm like, oh, it's my second game I got for the Switch. Um, so I ended up getting that, and right now I'm stuck playing that game. That game is fun. That legend, I gotta go back to the Legends of after a while because I ended up getting the special, uh, like the DLC for it. And DLC is actually not that pricey, you know. It's actually rarely cheap. Um, I, I had to go back on that, but I'm stuck in Xenoblade Chronicles 2. It's a fun game if you're into JRPGs. So yeah, once in a while I'll try to find like, some time to play both systems, you know. Like I said, I got Monster Hunter World. Recently got that. I got Storyline Fatal Bullet. And, you know, and then I try to go back to Overwatch to see if uh, friends I know are playing Overwatch. So it's kind of hard, you know. Our schedules are all different. But it's kind of different back then, you know. Back then, it was like your friends had to come over and we had to sit couch to couch. Nowadays, now, most of the games are internet-based. So you're basically playing in the comfortability of your home. But I kind of do miss, you know, you know, playing on the, you know, sitting on a couch with your friends and playing together, you know, a couch co-op. I mean, there's very few games. I think Circular Mana is also couch co-op and um, Diablo 3 is online and couch co-op. But drop in, drop out is kind of cool. I mean, there's already a few games out there you can do... Um, co-op local co-op um but other than that you know gaming is part of my life and you know every you know i always follow the news i always keep it up with the latest gaming new tidbits and all that and of course you got ready player one coming out later this month and of course it you know the the author of the book actually took a lot you know he references a lot of old you know old school 80s type references which is kind of cool this gives me that whole nostalgia feeling the movie, you know, he tried to incorporate a lot of modern stuff that he couldn't in his book because of the licensing and all that. And lucky that I saw the trailer for it. The two trailers for it, and it featured Sonic is in there, Tracer, Chun Li, the Iron Giant, the DeLorean from Back to the Future. That Batmobile, I heard Batman makes a cameo in there. So I guess they're like avatars that the character, like the players use in that game in the Oasis. So I can't wait for Ready Player One. It, it's a great novel. I enjoyed the novel itself. If you're into it, read the book. Can't wait for the movie, you know, Steven Spielberg directing it, um, and of course the author, Ernest Klein wrote the screenplay for it. I can't wait for it. Um, that comes out, I believe, March 29th. Definitely enjoy it. So like I said, gaming played a big influence in life, you know, who knows if I, my parents never bought me an NES console. Of course, now you're hearing games being used, but not in the most positive light, because of course now you got Donald Trump in Congress, you know, he's trying to get Congress to, to attack, you know... He's blaming video games for having a negative impact on... I mean, I'm not going to degrade, you know, the mass shootings. You know, I'm not going to say anything more. You know, they're horrible incidents. But he's trying to find a scapegoat. Like, he's trying to find someone else to put the blame on. You know, he's trying to circumvent the gun control issue and pretty much pick out, you know, movie movie making companies and, of course, video games. He's blaming violent video games and movies for having a negative influence on these mass shooters. Which, honestly... There's been studies, recent studies, to show that has not happened. There's been no definitive proof that that 
that movies and video games have a negative impact or create this, you know, psychotic behavior. But like I said, I don't want to get into that because that's something me and Andy, B- Andy Biko coming back, my bro, since he comes back for his trip, we'll get to record that episode and we'll give you guys more, more insight. This was more like, you know, how video games influence my life and, you know, how it is today. You know, honestly, I love video games. If I, like I said, if my parents didn't buy me a video game console, I think I would never discover video games. I never found out about Sonic, never found out about Mario. You know, who knows? I mean, I wouldn't hang out with my cousin so much to play video games with them. And I would not have a Sonic tattoo on my right arm right now. <laughs> that was my first tattoo. So when I got my first tattoo, it was Sonic the Hedgehog. And the tattoo artist, she was awesome. She was cool by it. She's like, I've never done a Sonic tattoo. It was freaking awesome. She enjoyed doing it. And it was like her first time she did a video game tattoo. So that was like my, my first tattoo. Now I got that one. I got a Deadpool one. So that's my second tattoo. I got a few years back. That's how a big influence, and then of course, like I said, if I had video games, who knows what I'd be doing right now? I'd probably be doing like drugs or eating a gutter somewhere and not having no success for life. Because honestly, games was like escape from my reality. It's something that I love. And I'm gonna keep playing until like I'm an old man. <laughs> if I'm old and playing video games with my grandpa, you know, if I, have gran- if I ever have grandkids and be like, hey, you know, I used to play this back in my day and I'm still playing it now. So honestly, I'll be a gamer till I die. That's basically it. Um, you know, that's why I want to share with you guys today. It's just like I said, this is more like an how video games influence my life, and you know, it does have a big impact on my life. And of course, because not only that, video games actually got me to see other things like anime, movies, television, you know, comics, and all that. And now I've been doing that today. Of course, rock band, the gaming gave me a sense of oh, hey, I could be, I could sing, you know. Got my encouragement. I love karaoke and got me the courage to go sing in front of people, which I'd never done that before. Kind of rock band kind of taught me that. You know, you don't have to be the most perfect person to match the pitch. As long as you can match the pitch, you're fine. You don't have to be like, essentially, like Billy Idol or, you know, David Bowie or James Hetfield from Metallica. As long as you're able to nail the pitch, you're fine. And they gave me the courage, you know, to sing in front of people. I credit it to Rock Band, the gaming series. So I credit that to them. Of course, Overwatch and Call of Duty because they were able to um, talk to people online, get to like strategize and team up with them. It's kind of fun. Even though I don't play online that much now, I do like to play occasionally. Like I said, I like to play Overwatch occasionally. But it's, like I said, it's kind of hard to find people that have the same game as me and try to get together, you know, and try. You try to get together with your friends. And play, you know, I played Battlefield a few times because a lot of co-workers at work, they play Battlefield. Now they're all playing Star Wars, Battlefront 2. I mean, I love Star Wars, but I'm not into the whole Star Wars universe. You know, I love the movies and I just love the movies. But the whole lore and everything, I'm not a big fan of it. I know people there are that are into it. And my brother's into it because of Darth Vader. He's a big Vader fan. But So I got him by Battlefront 2 for, for his birthday this year. Um, so I got him that. I forgot what else I got. I, I know I, I always get him games for Christmas because he, you know, he struggles when he works and stuff and tries to save money as much money as he can. Of course, with me, with gaming wise, that's why gaming wise, I had to slow down a little bit because you know I'm trying to save up to get a house, so get my own place. You know that way I can do more podcasting and do more stuff like creatively on YouTube and stuff. And plus, plus my room in general is getting. I'm getting so much like I got so much collectibles. It's like I need more space. <laughs> Honestly, it's like looking around here in my little pop culture cave and 
Believe me, I got shelves full of manga, comics, graphic novels. I got popped those up to the wall. My room literally is like a wall. They seem like being subscribers to these loot boxes. And, of course, I got my DVDs and movies, which I haven't seen in many years. But I would like to organize and, you know, put it in the pie storage, the ones I don't even see anymore. Like I said, I got so much stuff in here. Yeah, I need space. So, like I said, um... Hope you guys uh, like to. Hope you guys enjoyed listening to you know my brush video games and my history with them. Um, like I said, um, next time, um, like I said, I'll try to get in touch with Andy Mavrubiko as soon as he gets back from his trip. We'll sit down, record uh, a future episode of the Talking Pop, which will get it'll be more like a political, politically charged, you know, serious topic for that week. And then, like I said, if you got if you enjoy listening to the Talking Pop, and you want to give like a topic that you want me, my bro Andy, or just me to give you guys my detailed opinion on, or if I see something in the news as pertains to pop culture, I want to talk to you guys. Like today, you know, I wanted to share my influence with video games or like I said, if you see something that you want my hear my opinion, like feel free to comment on this, subscribe to the podcast. It's on Podbean. You can go to Podbean.com. It's basically like the YouTube of podcasts. So it has like you can find any podcast on Podbean if you have an Android or um, iOS. And you can see it's free to download. It also helps me um deliver this podcast to you. So Podbean like I'm not being paid by them. I am a subscriber to them. And allows me to record these episodes and upload them to you guys. So you guys enjoy this podcast. So definitely check out Podbean. You can check out the backlog of all of the episodes I have. This is episode 10 of the Talking Pop. And believe me, I'm going to keep going. And I also have a video vlog of the Franchise Talks. That's on my YouTube channel, which is YouTube.com. Slash the Franchise Network. You can subscribe there. And you can see what I do. My, my It takes me to my life as the pop culture geek. You know, I talk about pretty much what I did, what I did when it pertains to pop culture. It's a little diary. I like to share with you guys what I like to do. So, like I said, I got the, the video part and the auto cart. Like I said, um, I also have, to have a Facebook page. Um, if you go to facebook.com slash the franchise network, I put the links to my video vlog on YouTube and the, and the links to the podcast itself on Podbean. So, it will magically take you straight to the file so you can actually listen to it there. And please subscribe to this podcast. I really enjoy doing this for you guys. Um, I'm not sponsored. This is independently run. You know, I take time in my busy week, busy week uh, to share with you guys. You know, I'll give you guys insight, you know, why I like to talk about when it comes to pop culture. Because like I said, pop culture is a big influence on in life. I love talking about anime. I love talking about movies. I like talking about, you know, comics, video games, more with you guys and share you guys my knowledge and pretty much my opinions and what I like. So, anywho, uh, thank you for thank you for listening, and um, like I said, check out the rest of my black log episodes. And believe me, this podcast is gonna keep going. Like I said, we're not sponsored, so I had no deadline. It means I can do whatever I want, talk how long I want. Well, technically, I only have like an hour half, but right now I'm going on what 47 minutes here. But overall, it's an independent podcast. Like I said, if you guys had any questions for me, you can also follow me on Twitter at the franchise 85 using the hashtag Talk Pop. Or the hashtag Franchise Network. If you want to tweet me something on there, you know, a topic or a question, you can tweet me on there. I did tweet something on there earlier today asking what was your first video game console. And who knows, if I read so many of them, maybe I'll mention you guys in the next episode of the podcast. So that way your names can be heard. Like I said, I am the voice of the geeks everywhere. Well, one of the many voices of the geeks anywhere, but I'm one of the voices of... 
of the Pop Culture Geek here, and I'm the one. So as always, geek on and take care. See you next time.